wasn't out there. Um, keys just get pucks deep, you know, play the corners hard, we'll see if good things will happen for us. What do you say, son? You want to be an assassin? Yes, yes. What number do you want to wear? I never take yep we're back the famed episode 69 of just dishing it folks great to be with you as always joined by my co-host john Tudes tutor rocking a nice all-star bucket and a trusty michigan lid from our producer Derek hoskins boys what's going on Tudes? let's start with you latang's back latang's back yeah I honestly, great day to be a Chris Letang fan. Not a great day to be a Gino Malkin fan. I'm a little bit uh, scared about that one still. But yeah, wearing the All Star hat, throwing it back to the uh, Vegas trip in honor of our guest today. Nobody more fitting for episode number 69. So excited to dive into that today. Derek, how's things going at the stew? Not bad. We are uh, getting closer to an opening date. We actually. Uh... Didn't do any work today. We actually were doing creative stuff for once. It's been a long process, and uh, it's been uh, pretty fun to be a part of, and I'm excited to join this uh, studio space, and uh, hopefully we can uh, get the podcast here sooner than later. Oh, yeah, that's 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 definitely uh, going to be a plan in the works for sure, it's much sooner than later. Um, but, yeah, it's it's coming together real well there. I got to go there on Saturday. For a little while looking really nice um can't wait for more people to see kind of the whole thing it's, it's fucking awesome mm-hmm. but uh folks we got plenty to cover today so we're not going to waste any more time um our first radio style interview um you know some minor technical issues with a webcam here but no worries we push on because that's what we do here welcome back everybody the founder of the charging buffalo mr jared halt jared Wish I could see your beautiful face, but you know what? You're you're still here. I can hear your voice. I'm excited. What's going on, brother? What is going on, boys? I'm honored to be here on this special episode. I appreciate the uh, wonderful intro there from Tudor, and you know I'm excited uh, excited to get rolling here. Yeah, I mean we got so much to to dive into. Um, first of all, a big congrats to you guys, you and uh, your team there at the Charging Buff. Another just each year with the draft guide, just better and better. Um, Saw you guys getting a good amount of praise for that. Um, you know, I uh, I skimmed through it, very basic. You know, didn't really dive in super in depth, but love to see it. It's a, it's a great thing you guys do, and I know a, a lot of fans and uh, you know followers really appreciate that you guys do that. Yeah, man, I appreciate it. It's uh, you know, it's something we definitely take a lot of pride in, and it's cool to kind of see it all come to fruition. Just because it's such a long process, like we really. It's the whole thing kind of starts getting laid out probably like three, four months ahead of time. Shout out to Curtis. He's sort of our uh, our head draft guy that sort of takes control of, uh, you know, formatting everything, sort of coming up, laying the groundwork before um, I'm able to sort of just take all the analysis and sort of make it look pretty and everything. But no, I mean, it's definitely a, it's definitely a really fun process. And um, as you said, you know, this year it was really cool to sort of get the reception on it. We did every year. I mean, it's, it just seems to be getting bigger and better this year. 
Um, we went from 95 pages to 126 pages. We added uh, another designer on uh, Cole. Shout out to Cole. We added another analyst in uh, Austin Brass. So, you know, another another great uh, year of the draft guide, as you said. And um, it's really fun, you know, just to kind of change things up a little bit just from the sort of standard you know editorial instagram twitter sort of projects that we have that you know kind of run all year that's something that we can sort of you know mark on the calendar and it's sort of something as i mentioned there that we can sort of work up to and it sort of uh just transpires you know over a couple months and then it's nice you know the week of the draft to sort of let people soak it in beforehand and then after the draft sort of go back and maybe revisit some things whether you know, the Sabres draft some guys that we may have targeted in some later rounds or even, you know, fans from other teams being able to see like, hey, you know, we have a nice write up on a player that maybe didn't get taken by the Sabres, but it's still, you know, applicable to really any hockey fan out there. So, yeah, no, I appreciate uh, I appreciate you checking it out and uh, really excited to, to keep that going. Yeah, man. So with that, though, I mean, what did you see, you know, from, you know, going back through it and, and looking with uh, some, you know, predictions you made or uh, write-ups you had, what were some of the, the things you guys, you know, were on top of that, that you liked and, and maybe even a, a thing or two where you, uh, you were pretty set on one thing and it didn't come to fruition, uh, anything like that that you want to share? Yeah. Um, you know, there's a couple things that are kind of interesting. Obviously the top of the draft is really, a focal point this year, obviously in hindsight, now we can see Shane Wright didn't go number one. And if you go back to our draft guide last year, um, you know, everyone on our site are very, you know, big fans of Owen power and, you know, really like his game, but we actually had William Eklund number one last year. So that's something that's kind of interesting, um, you know, to look back at last year's guide and to see how rankings sort of transpire and different things play out. But this year we did actually have Shane Wright uh, number one. I believe Slavkovsky was third on our board. Um, but no, I mean, it was really cool. I, I don't think there were any, um, major surprises or anything like that. This was unfortunately the first year that we actually didn't have one of our like second to seventh round targets get selected by the Sabres. Cause we do, I'd say, I think five on average, um, targets that were sort of, you know, eyeing for the Sabres from rounds two through seven. And we've been lucky the past couple of years that, you know, there's really been a handful of guys that they've they have selected and then like i said it's kind of cool to go back and see that we already have some analysis and and some thoughts on those guys so uh they didn't they didn't take any of our targets in the later rounds this year but matt savoy was a guy that um everyone on our staff was really high with i know everyone's really excited to uh you know keep diving into the the matt savoy content now that the draft is over here and hopefully get a look at him uh dev camp this week i know he's recovering from a, sol- a shoulder uh injury and i know um, it was sort of in question whether or not he was going to be cleared for contact. So I'm hoping that we'll at least get to see him skating around a little bit. I don't know if we'll see him um, in the 3v3 scrimmage on Saturday, but you know he's a guy that we had ranked fifth on our board and to see him fall to nine, I think that was something people were maybe expecting a little bit that he'd slip just due to his size, but uh, you know, a really exciting player uh, for the Sabres to get at five. And then uh, Coolidge and Oslin were two players that, you know, we we're very um, high on as well. You know, they're a little later in our rankings. I think we had them 23 and 24, which is actually kind of cool. We had them back to back and the Sabres ended up getting both of them. But, um, you know, definitely another two players that we we're high on and we we're sort of keying in on for the Sabres, whether it be at 8, 16 or, um, or 28 or 9, 16 or 28. Excuse me. Mm-hmm. Um, so, 
you know, again, it's kind of cool just to uh, see what what our guys' thoughts on uh, those players were really before there could be any sort of biases or they really dive in super deep now that they're going to be uh, in the organization. Before we get into the development camp stuff, uh, one more thing I wanted to ask, you know, just kind of, you know, like draft day for you. Like, what's that a little bit of what is that like for you personally in the team? And what were some of because I, I know you're, you know, you're fairly well connected, obviously. Looking back and, you know, on the day, what was some of the buzz? What kind of things were you hearing? I know the uh, for a while there we had the Matt Murray trade buzz, um, you know, some talks of we heard some rumblings of moving up possibly during the draft. Do you have uh, anything to, to share on that that you were hearing as the draft was occurring? Yeah, well, I think, you know, the Sabres, Kevin Adams, he was very adamant before the draft that he was really open to all sorts of possibilities. So from mm-hmm. a planning standpoint, you know, that's definitely interesting for us because we really have to just sort of be open to anything. Like, are they going to move up? Um, are they going to move down, stay put, make all three selections? And then obviously when it comes to them making all three selections, there's just an insane amount of different outcomes that, you know, could happen just depending on who they take. So Luckily, as I sort of mentioned there, all three players were guys, you know, we had in our first round and we were sort of prepared for. Um, but, you know, really, we just didn't know uh, who was going to go where, you know, which guys they were. We, you know, we had a sense of maybe guys they were higher on than others. We heard some rumblings that um, maybe the Sabres were trying to get up for a guy like Coolidge a little bit earlier than they actually ended up taking him. Um, they ended up staying at 28 and, and getting him anyway. So that was awesome. Uh, Kevin Anu- Kevin Adams alluded to the fact that I believe all three players were in their top 16. And um, as they started to see guy like, uh, you know, Osland at 16 obviously fell right to them. But Coolidge, as he started to slide, I think, you know, they were really uh, eager to get their hands on him. And as I mentioned there, it was cool to see him uh, fall to 28 regardless. Love it. It's, it's good stuff. Good buzz. I I didn't know too much, uh, you know, for Coolidge, but, you know, in a way, he's from, from just from what I've seen. There's been like equal talk about how exciting he is. You know, almost as much as Savoy. Like just kind of, you know, some of the tape on him. You know, his like his shot is a big standout thing. Like uh, I heard, and I've read like one thing that that stood out to me is like when you're drafting guys like in the Saber situation, when you see players that like these scouts and whatever talk about like they have like they're like one of the best at a certain skill of the game like that's always super exciting especially in like a hockey draft when most of these guys are a couple years out from even being you know considered for the roster full-time so hearing a lot of that stuff about especially the top three picks we had in the first round is super exciting Yeah, Coolidge, Coolidge, I mean, he's a guy that I think most people, Osland as well, really, um, you know, I think people sort of envision them more so as like middle six type guys. But at the same time, like if you look at the U18s, Coolidge, he was the MVP. I think he led the tournament with eight or nine goals, had a hat trick against Canada. Um, You mentioned his shot very, you know, I'm reluctant to compare people to Victor Olofsson because I I really think (laughs) Olofsson has like a top three shot in the NHL. But Coolidge is very similar in the sense that he likes to set up on the right face-off dot. Really good wrist shot, good one-timer. So I think he's a guy that, you know, Savoy – I actually think Savoy is more of a well-rounded player than he even maybe gets credit for, you know, in his defensive game is is a 200-foot center. Uh, But obviously he is, you know, 
flash. You've, you know, that's really what you're getting in Matt Savoy, where Coolidge, I think him and Oslin can provide a little bit more of the two-way game, but they still have some high-end offensive ability to their game as well that, um, you know, obviously really helps and adds to their value. Tudor, I've been talking too much. Hop in here, buddy. Yeah, um, I want to kind of ask about some of the beginning of the draft there, maybe non-Saber specific, but what were the conversations like between you guys at the beginning of the draft? And was it that surprising? Because I remember watching the first like four or five picks and like, is there any way Seattle thought they were getting Shane Wright at four? You know, it's really interesting. Um, So I saw Corey Pronman of The Athletic he actually mocked Shane Wright going for, I believe, the Saturday or Sunday, like the week just leading up to the draft. And it kind of like, just from what I saw on Twitter and everything, it seemed like it almost like flew over people's radar. Like usually when something like you see a mock like that, you know, people start tweeting about it and whatnot. And I'm sure there was some of that, but I didn't really see anything until I was just looking at mocks a couple of days later. And I saw Shane Wright was going forth. Like obviously there's been all this smoke about Slavkowski possibly going one, but to see Shane Wright go four, I was kind of assuming like, okay, if he doesn't go one, he's at least going to go two. But then to see that, I was like, like that was sort of, I guess the first seed that was planted in my mind that it was somewhat possible. But other than that, I never would have expected him um, to get past Arizona or get past New Jersey, even though, you know, we heard a lot that they were high on uh, Nemec and, and Logan Cooley who did go two and three, but no, I mean, on draft day, you know, what actually sucks, I think for a lot of us, um, you know, it's draft day, you're waiting for trades, you're waiting for, for news to come out. You put your Bobby Bobby Margarita notifications on, <laughs> and Bob just turns on everyone this year and starts spoiling the draft. I was like, so I get a notification on my phone from Bob McKenzie like three minutes before the pick is made, just the words, Juraj Slavkovsky. And I was like, come on, man. Like, <laughs> so, so that spoiled it for me. And then I think that that word probably just got around on Twitter pretty quick because I think for the most part, our group is pretty glued to the timeline on, on draft night. So I think, unfortunately, the, uh, the, uh, the beginning of the draft was spoiled for us a little bit there. But no, I think, I think in general, everyone kind of recognized like if Slavkovsky does go first it's just going to be absolute chaos like is new jersey going to trade out there was a lot of rumblings about that do they take right do they take nemich which they did um so you know that was really exciting and um i just love the draft i think for me the draft is probably the most exciting like hockey event of the year like the stanley cup finals all that that's obviously you know its own uh its own spectacle but for me i don't know just something about the draft as you mentioned just draft day in general i love the lead up i love all the speculation um, I love, you know, just the anticipation on actual draft night, waiting for the picks to be made. So uh, it was a lot of fun, but definitely it's always so much better. I think it's so much better for the viewer sense when there is a little bit of intrigue sort of at the top. Yeah, yeah. especially for like Sabres fans. I know Tude's teams used to pick in not at all in the first round or towards the end. But, you know, for us, sometimes when there's chaos up at the top, it's like, ooh, what pieces yeah. can we pick up as Sabres fans? Right, I like – just to oh sorry to cut you off there, but you know Matt Savoy again is like he's a guy I think everyone's sort of been eyeing that could potentially fall just because of the size and and stuff like that. But you know I think I think he's a guy that you're excited to to get at nine one hundred percent. And even going back to probably a year ago, like not that long ago at all, there were many people that had him pegged as like the second overall pick, and he's been around for a while. I don't know when you guys maybe first heard of Matt Savoy, but 
man, I can, th- I can go back at least like three, four years when I was first seeing just videos pop up of him uh, playing Bantam in Canada games against Connor Bedard. I remember during COVID specifically uh, there was a YouTube channel. I think it's called yeah. wagon hockey. If you guys, anyone's listening, wants to go check these out. Um, but they, they used to upload just, you know, like the cell phone camera videos at like Brighton arena of like Connor Bedard versus Matt Savoy. And it was just so sick. So I used to binge those during COVID and, you know, obviously everything comes full circle now and he's on the saber. So really awesome to get him at nine for sure. Yeah. Like when I first heard about him, there was a lot of like, you know, talk of him being higher than what he went, but honestly up until I even just peeked at the draft guide and like, I'm just buzzing through names. Essentially. I'm like, Holy shit. I forgot about this kid. And he stood out to me and I just was thinking, I just really wasn't even thinking about like, you know, him Sabres. It was just like, I forgot about Matt Savoy and sure as shit, the the Sabres end up taking him. He ends up being there. So uh, yeah, that was cool. Um, I've definitely, I don't know which one specifically, but I've definitely seen a few clips you know, those, the old cell phone style ones uh, <laughs> yeah. of Savoy, but uh, yeah, it's super exciting. What's like his timeline. Do you think, honestly, is it two years before he's up with us? I think, yeah, I think two years is, is very realistic. I think one more year in the WHL, obviously hoping that he goes down there and really dominates. Um, the thing that's a little tricky with him, unfortunately, just where his birthday falls, he can't play one year in the WHL and then say, go to Rochester. He has to either, play two years in the WHL and then he could go to Rochester hypothetically, which obviously I don't think things would be going on track if, if that were to happen. <laughs> but um, yeah, so I mean, really his only options are either the next two years play for the Sabres or, or play in the WHL. So I think one more year is realistic. See, you know, where you're at after this year, see where the Sabres are at. Um, and I, I think next year is definitely a realistic target for him though. Coolidge in, in Oslin, I think two years, um, you know, two years until they get to North America is probably a little bit more realistic. I'm not sure Coolidge's contract situation exactly, but I could actually, oddly enough, see him maybe come over before Ostlin because he's actually a bit more physically developed. Um, and as we sort of mentioned, just with the tools he has, I think he's a guy that could come over and be fine, you know, sooner rather than later. But Ostlin does have two more years. Uh, on his contract in Sweden. And he mentioned actually on draft night, they asked him, um, you know, his opinion on maybe his projection to the NHL. And I don't know if you guys saw this, but he said, I think two more years in Sweden and then I'll be ready for 82 games in the playoffs. So that sounded pretty good. <laughs> yeah. And I remember that. No, I think, I, heard, I think they could I heard Paul Hamilton him. bring that up on the radio actually. Yeah. yeah. Jared, but I gotta, I, I gotta ask a quick question with Savoy. Savoy. Do you see him with his size? I was thinking about this today. Do you see him staying at center or do you think they'll push him to a wing? I do see him as a center. I think that maybe they ease him in at wing just because obviously, you know, that's pretty known to be uh, a little bit lighter of a load on guys coming into the league right away. But as I mentioned to you guys, you know, a couple minutes ago, I think he's a better two-way player than he He screams Braden Point to me. Yeah, I mean, I think think guys like that and, you know, Point, he he, uh, he obviously fell really far going in, in the second round in his draft year. Um, but I think guys like them, it's really almost hard for people to really just appreciate the two-way ability, not just because their size, but just because they are so 
dynamic offensively that you kind of just have that assumption with guys that are smaller and super skilled. I feel like there's sort of just a, you know, a notion that guys like that aren't going to be good defensively, but I was actually watching some of his games uh, the past couple days just to really watch him outside of just, you know, highlights and uh, shift to shift, little things like that, just to really get it, the full context. And I, that was the biggest thing I came away with was that he was way better uh, of a 200 foot player than I was sort of thinking. I know when it comes to sort of his underlying numbers, there was some question marks when it came to just like his transition data. And that's obviously a big thing when it comes to playing center. But when you watch him as a player, it's weird because for me, the the data didn't necessarily match up with that because I think he is good in transition. He's smart on his entries and exits, obviously an amazing puck carrier, um, good passer. I feel like he's good at, you know, finding his outlets on the wing. Um, so I think he, he'll have no problem playing center in the NHL. Eventually it's just whether or not they ease him in on the wing first. Makes sense. Gotcha. Um, as far as development camp though, coming up, um, you know, whether that be, Obviously, just the Sabres are around the league, too, but specifically the Sabres initially here. Um, what are some things that you're looking at specifically? I know I'm assuming guys from this draft are going to be there, um, you know, last year, too, I would guess. But uh, any surprises or specific things that you're really looking towards this week? Yeah, for sure. So, I mean, I love dev camp. I've been going to development camp since I was like 13 years old every year. So, um, actually, I mean, if you love the draft, you got to love development camp. Right. I feel like they go hand in hand. Yeah, exactly. But, um, last year, I don't remember if two years ago, if there was development camp, I don't believe there was though. So I think it's been three years now since there was development camp. Maybe I'm wrong. It could be, it could just be last year, but regardless, you know, there was no development camp last year. So for me, I think, Getting first and foremost, Isaac Rosine, 14th overall last year, um, another very skilled Swedish player. I think there's a couple reasons, you you know, you kind of want to get a look at him. Obviously, as I sort of alluded to, you didn't get to see him up close as much last year. But I think in just the the context of all of the, the Sabres prospects, he's been a bit of a forgotten man, especially, you know, given his draft status going 14th overall. Um, he didn't really get a lot of playing time in the SHL this year, which really... I think contributed to that. So obviously there's not, you're not seeing the highlights of him. You're not really seeing him do a whole lot um, on social media. And given the fact that he's playing in Sweden, you don't really get to see him a ton at all for, for the casual viewer. Um, He was a bit pedestrian at the world juniors last year before things came to an end. So he's a guy I think fans will definitely want to get a close look at Owen power, obviously as well. There's sort of a group of, of more veteran players coming back like Owen power, Jack Quinn, JJ Paterka, Peyton Krebs that, you know, maybe if fans did get to uh, catch them on TV this year or if they got to go to a game, uh, I don't know. I'm sure you guys have been to Harbor Center and you can sort of attest to this, but I think there's more of just a bit of an intimate atmosphere at Harbor Center, being super close to the ice, getting to see the players more just in a practice and up close. It's a little bit slowed down. There's individual perspective. Right. There's individual drills. So it's not, you know, an NHL game where things are moving super fast. You're kind of just watching the play in general. It's kind of nice because you can sort of key in on on certain guys you want to watch. And um, the groups are sort of split up as well uh, in a way that, you know, you can sort of identify the the guys you really want to watch in a certain group um, before they even even sort of hit the ice. But for me, I think there's really a couple different groups 
of players that you'd sort of want to be looking at this week. I alluded to the the more veteran players right there. Um, I mentioned Rosine, obviously a guy that we we haven't gotten to to see yet, but that you know I, I think that applies to uh, Ostlin and Coolidge as well, guys that you know may may not have been as in the the public light uh, in terms of just draft prospects this year uh, for just the more casual fan, I guess. Matt Savoy, I mentioned, um, I'm not sure if he's going to be cleared for contact, but man, if he is, or if he, if he's skating in general, I think he's going to jump right off the page because at development camp, the drills are almost designed to sort of bring the best out of those skilled guys. Like I remember even just going back, watching Alex Nylander, Casey Middlestat, Darlene, like those type of players, you know, are really put in a position where they can, they can show what they got and, you know, it's, it's really entertaining to watch. So I think Savoy, um, you know, really just seeing him cut around the cones, like, cause at development camp, it's a lot of, as I mentioned, like practice drill type stuff. They'll do one-on-ones they'll do, you know, breakouts that turn into like a two on two stuff like that. So I think we're really going to get a chance to hopefully see him, um, show off a lot of that electric offensive ability in, as I mentioned, like the two on one type of drills, one-on-one stuff. Um, so that'll be really fun. Then I think there's a group of prospects as well that maybe fall into a bit of a sleeper group, guys that are maybe second, third, fourth, fifth round picks that have, you know, been developing well the past couple of years that also fans just really haven't gotten to seen up close, but maybe as you've been following the prospects, you're seeing their names more and more. So in that group, I kind of look at guys like Olivier Nadeau had a really great playoffs uh, in the QMJH or the Memorial Cup this year. Um, Josh Bloom as well, Aaron Huglin from Minnesota had a great uh, Frozen Four tournament. So mm-hmm. those are some of the more mid-tier guys that also fit into that skilled, sort of exciting. I think they'll pop a little bit at develop, development camp a little bit more than others. Um, is a little bit bigger, but I still think, you know, he's scaled. He'll look good out there. And then really moving on from there, I'd say there's two more groups. There's yeah, a bit of an awkward group with two players in it. And that's Ryan Johnson and Eric Portillo, because (laughs) those are two guys that it's kind of funny. They fall in a bit of limbo right now, having, you know, their, their contract status is a little bit up in the air. Are they going to go back to college and potentially test free agency next year? Are they going to sign with the Sabres? No one really knows. So I think, you know, just getting to see them at development camp is a good sign one way or the other. And um, those will kind of be some interesting guys to keep an eye on. And then, uh, lastly, it's just the invites. Um, you know, there's a really, I think, man, I was going to say 10. I don't, I don't know exactly, honestly, how many invites there are, but Cole Caulfield's brother uh, is among them. Uh, really every position group, you know, they're bringing, bringing guys out. So Caulfield's brother will probably be the biggest name amongst that, that group, but Spencer Sova, uh, he's another guy. Um, I think every year, really, you know, for people that go to development camp regularly, there's always actually guys that that stand out. And I think it's fun to to keep tabs on those guys because you never know if they are going to potentially join the organization down the line. Brandon Byro, who uh, was a really good player for Rochester last year, may even be able to to crack the Sabres lineup as a, you know, a 13th depth forward this year. Um, but he, he was a dev camp standout, maybe 2015, 2016. I don't remember exactly what year, but uh, he was coming to dev camp just as an invite when he was playing at Penn state um, went back to Penn State, finished up there, and then the Sabres ended up signing him to a contract. And now, you know, he's a very productive player in the organization. So I think those guys are, are fun to keep an eye on, but obviously the big names are going to be uh, the big draw. 
Love it. Yeah, super, super exciting, you know, especially when you're actually making draft picks now and like keeping them and, you know, getting away from what plagued us for so many years prior. So well, even even going back to our conversation at this time a year ago, we were just talking all about the Eichel stuff, all about Risto, Reinhardt, like all of that. And now it's a year later and we've seen all those picks come to fruition and we're able to sort of now watch those players, watch them develop. We're able to sort of see what players are going to be part of the core now going forward. And like you said, they're sort of over that tear it down period. And now we can sort of just see which of these guys are able to sort of blossom over the next couple of years. Absolutely. Uh, transitioning from the Sabres a little bit, because I know Tudes is going to have some stuff to bring up, you know, throughout the rest of the league here. Right. Um, free agency. Uh, by the time this drops on Thursday, there's going to be a lot of, a lot of fireworks, I'm sure, a lot of signings, or maybe, you know, it's not going to be as crazy of a day. What are you anticipating? What are you seeing? Obviously, Sabres included, but, like, you know, throughout the league, what are some of the, the big storylines that you're looking at? Yeah, I think I think Sabres-wise, really quick, I think it's going to be a relatively quiet day for them. Um, just sort of looking, filling out the roster, you can sort of uh, put two and two together to see that they're really, especially if you want guys like Paterka, Quinn, um, to be competing for a roster spot next year. There's really not too many openings left on the Sabres. Obviously, goaltending uh, is going to be a focal point. Right defense, maybe you see them go out and sign P.K. Subban or maybe make a trade for a guy like Mackenzie Wieger, who today was oh, – there was some God, rumblings. Oh, my God, give me Mackenzie Wieger. Oh, <laughs> yeah, so, that would make me so happy. I think forward-wise, forward I'm not expecting really much of anything there, especially after seeing – uh, Hinnestroza signed today. I think just in terms of guys that are unrestricted free agents still left in the Sabres, Butcher, Kajula, Pizik, Eakin, you know, I would be surprised if any of those guys uh, were brought back. Maybe we see them go out and get in Ilya Samsonov, who uh, who was recently just, uh, we saw he's going to be going to the market, a young, I believe, 25-year-old goaltender who yeah, 25. came up in the yeah, came up in the Caps organization. I think he's a guy that, you know, maybe fits that timeline the Sabres are sort of looking for a little bit. Or they could go the older route, maybe trade for a guy like um, James Reimer out of San Jose, uh, Eric Comrie. I think he's a free agent as well, but he's he sort of fits that younger mold as well. So I think goaltender is obviously the focal point for the Sabres. Maybe we see them add someone on, our, on right defense. But for me, I think, I think really the – the focal point of free agency always goes to those big names. And I think more often than not, a lot of people are left disappointed, but this year, I don't know. It seems like Johnny Gaudreau, Malkin, Claude Giroux. Like I think there could be some interesting sort of fireworks tomorrow. Hopefully, you know, these guys and, uh, yeah, Tudor, they're, I'm they're, looking at you. I'm looking yeah. at you, buddy. I wanted to see, I knew Malkin's name was going to come up. <laughs> Hopefully um, that stuff will be left for tomorrow. Cause I feel like all the signings just get broken. Usually the night before, like even yeah. before free agency even starts, and well, because like kind of right, I could be. I think I'm right on this. For someone like Goudreau, he has till midnight to accept that eight year offer that is allegedly on the table with Calgary yeah. at ten per year. I believe so. I, I believe think that's how. Yeah. I think that's how it works. Because then once, because then he officially hits free agency, and then he's not technically on the team, so they can't offer him yeah. that extra year. Yeah, I think. I mean, that one's interesting, man, because as you mentioned, like, clock's ticking here. Yeah. We only got a couple hours left, and 
I think for the thing with Gaudreau that's really interesting is just it doesn't really seem like it's about the money. I think for years now there's sort of been speculation of him going to the Flyers or somewhere, you know, in that in that region. Yeah, that northeast. And that's what's so interesting about him to me is that I think the main contenders for him are all going to be from around there. I look at the Rangers, the Islanders, the two New York teams, the yeah. Flyers, the Devils. So, you know, that's going to be interesting to see where he goes or maybe maybe he will just, you know, hit the uh, hit the buzzer beater tonight last second, go back to the Flames. And I think the other interesting thing with that, obviously, is the domino effect that, that could maybe have. Gaudreau, um, you know, when it comes to Makachuk, you know, we've heard that this week he's not going to be very happy if Johnny leaves, and that could be another piece that's potentially on the move. So I think that'd be really interesting. And then, come on, Adams, stir the pot again with Calgary if that happens. Come on, Scooter, I gotta, we gotta get into it here. But Malkin, I mean, I'm looking. I, I've I've been seeing people suggest Washington, and I know that oh, would, that's I would, your soul is being crushed on the other I side would of this call. Right up. Now, but oh my, that's God. that's what I want to see. I'm I would I I'm would cheering for Max vote. Chaos when it comes to. Malkin's yeah. next destination. He seems like he's he's out for revenge when it comes to the Penguins. He's, yeah. He seems to be on their shit list. So I'm, I, I'm cheering for Max Chaos here. Go to the Capitals. Yeah, I don't get it because obviously Crosby and Latang want him back and they want him back bad. Um, but Hextall, new GM, he he's got no affiliation to any of these guys. And I don't know how that's really going to play out with him. I certainly hope that he doesn't end up with the Capitals. Um, that just seems like it'd be the, you know, the the biggest, you know, below the belt shot there. But it is what it is. Um, yeah, we'll see. I mean, I, I think that Malkin is one of those guys. I love him, but he's taken what I would consider a lot of unwarranted criticism from a lot of Penguins fans over the years. And people have been very vocal to really call him out in certain situations. And yeah, he's had some injury issues the last two seasons um, and even a little bit earlier in his career. Um, But I mean, he was still, I'm looking at his stats from last year, 41 games, 42 points, 20 goals, 22 assists. Like he's still a point a game or slightly better player in the NHL. So I think he still has a lot of game left in the tank. If, if he goes to a team like the Capitals and things don't work out, like I don't know who you replace him with in Pittsburgh right now that's a better second line center. Uh, unless you could pull some sort of insane magic out of the free agent market right now. Um, I know they did just sign P.O. What if they could get Kadri? I mean, that's I that thought went through my head, and nobody's mentioned Kadri as a possibility. If he left and they could somehow pull Kadri, that would – I mean, I'd, I'd be sad to see Gino go, but I would feel like at least you did the right thing and got a legitimate – very good number two center to put behind Sid because I just don't see how you could let a guy like that walk and then not fill that spot with someone who's that good in return unless Ron Hextall is actually still on the Flyers payroll sent to undermine the Penguins and (laughs) destroy the franchise. You ever heard of Darcy Regeer? (laughs) Well... (laughs) Yeah, Derek, uh, I don't want to make you guys relive those days, but uh, 
Yeah, I don't, I don't know. situation happened, and then they both walked. It was pretty uh, cool. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it's tough. I, I do think, though, that maybe they, they still have a chance. I have read some stuff that the Penns camp is still holding out hope for Malkin. Um, I know they did sign P.O. Joseph to a two-year deal today, extending him. I think phenomenal young uh, defenseman, big guy, can skate, moves the puck well. I really enjoy watching him play. I hope he gets a shot to be up on the uh, up on the pens full time this year, and then move a guy like Pedersen, get those contracts, maybe out of there, clear out some more space to fill out your top six. But yeah, I don't know, man. That's that's a tough one to swallow. If uh, I find, if Gino leaves, what I find really interesting with those situations and. We're seeing it a little bit with Chicago right now, although they're just That's throwing everyone out too. the door. But I think you sort of mentioned it there with Hextall coming in and not really having a pass with any of these guys. I think it's just such an interesting gray area of, you know, walking that line and balancing like these guys are legacy players for our franchise, not upsetting the fan base, not disrespecting, you know, their legacy with the team. And other players are going to see that. Other players are going to see how you treat your your great players. And at the same time, you have a guy like Hextall that comes in and it's his job to, you know, get the bus moving forward and do what he needs to do to make the team the best they can moving forward and not consider what's gone on in the past. So I think that's really, uh, as I mentioned, just sort of a, an interesting thing to, to balance there from the GM and from the organization standpoint. And it really is unfortunate to see that the relationship has sort of soured a little bit between Malkin and the Pens and it's sort of ending the way it is uh, as it seems anyway, but no, I think that's interesting. And Chicago as well, just while, while I'm on that topic, like, man, they are just, they're throwing everyone to the wolves right so now. Can Kane, I, and Taves got to be gone. Can I, ask, can I ask like what, what you guys think about that? Cause I'm sitting there watching the draft and during the draft, Chicago trades, Debrinket, who is 24 years old and has already scored 40 goals twice, and they trade Kirby Dock, who unfortunately last year in World Juniors had that uh, wrist fracture and missed some time, but he was a top, he was what, the number three pick a few years ago for them? Yep. So it's like, what I don't understand is if you are trying to rebuild a team and you're trying to get young talent in the system, why are you not keeping the two guys in your system that are young and that good, right? Like you get rid of Debrinket, who's only 24 and scored 40 goals twice already. Yeah, You're getting a first round draft pick that you're hoping turns into something like the guy that you already have. It's not like he's 30 years old already and you're trying to rebuild. Like, why is that not the guy that you're building around? No idea. Yeah. Like they were both would have been RFAs when their contract. I don't know about Debrinket though. Was Debrinket going to be a UFA? Uh, either way, either way, maybe you just have know. a belief that they're not going to resign. I think you know. Debrinket has one or two more years. This left. This is his then, last year, I believe. Okay, okay, yeah. Well, he, yeah, he is going to be a UFA, I believe, at the end of that. So okay, so that one, I, if you think you can't resign him or. You know, whatever. I get it. That one, whatever. The Kirby Doc one, I mean, I know he hasn't, you know, 
jumped off the page like you know you would he did initially before he got hurt and everything but, what, is, what is he 20 years old though yeah i that, oh, that's the going to be an rfa but okay well regardless still i think what it really comes down to is like we see this all the time in every sport really where a new gm comes in and they're like okay i want to put my own stamp on the team i want to you know this rebuild to be mine am i going to rebuild this team and you know, use the influx of youth from GM's past. But I think it's just but that some of those moves, they, they, they were pissing them away, like just giving them away. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's Dylan the Strong, confusing just, part. Like, I think, I think that's that fine line that they're, they're trying to walk. And Kubalik to too, right? They didn't give him one yeah. offer either. Yeah. They just, I don't know. They're just dumping everyone, everyone overboard. I, if you're, if thought, you're a Chicago fan, you have to hate this team right now. Right. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you, unless you get caught. Well, poor right. Chicago fans, right? Yeah, it's so rough. It's been so tough for him. How's it? Now you know how well, it feels to be a Sabres fan. No, I mean that's that's a tough thing, right? Is I think that most people who are fans of teams maybe who haven't seen that level of success in recent years would definitely make that trade in a heartbeat, right? Like, give me a good five years to a decade, a couple Stanley Cups, two, three cups, whatever, and then rip it down to the studs will suck for a few years whatever but if you're a fan going through that of that team i would be sitting there like and i probably will be um you know <laughs> very very shortly uh or at least in a few years but you know you've got to be sitting there ripping your hair out watching some of these trades and being like what are you do? like you're not even getting anything back for him to your point benny it's like it's one thing if you get you know, a King's ransom for these guys. And it's like, okay, let's start over. But we, yeah, not even a King's ransom, just a decent deal. (laughs) That's what I think is so funny and interesting. Going back to what I was saying about GMs, just wanting to put their own stamp sort of on the team. Korchinski, who the the Hawks took at seven, we had him ranked 22nd, but I know a lot of teams really liked him. They had him high, but he's a guy that I know. I know Chicago was like very, very high on. He was their target before they had made any of these trades um you know just trying to get into the first round because he was their guy that they wanted to take then obviously the trade pans out that they're going all the way up to seven and they were kind of i don't know where he was on their board obviously but regardless they were like screw it we're taking him wherever we get our our first round pick so i think that's that's the thing is like is the brinket going to be better than or is korchinski going to be a better piece for them than to i mean i guess we're gonna have to wait and see now but I feel like at best it's almost going to be sort of a scratch where it's like it could go either way. And it's you kind of just delayed yourself another two or three years waiting for this player to develop and then see what he is. But I guess, you know, from the GM sense, he's sort of buying himself a little bit of time, refreshing, you know, the core there. And I think really it, it comes down to they're going for they're going for Connor Bedard. They're going full Tim Murray. They are they're in Seems the tank. Like they're ready to go. So what do you what do you do with Kane and Taves? How does oh, that who's who can take Kane's, those contracts on to where it's not going to be a team where they're going to be like, yeah, fuck you, I'm not going there. Yeah, you know, like Taves, they have those Taves are big contracts. Is, Apparently, I think Kane, the Taves though, one especially is tough. I think Kane, you can retain salary, and someone will hop all over that. Someone, like a team someone was Colorado tweeting Kane to the Rangers, even. Oh God. Probably a, Ranger, probably a Rangers fan. Probably probably a Rangers fan. You know what I you know what I think of them, but um, yeah. Don't even don't uh, even bring up Philip Heedle. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Untouchable. Untouchable. 
Yeah. <laughs> Fucking idiots. <laughs> One of the dumbest fan bases. My, my question, though, is, Jared, do you think with Chicago that, you know, the blow up of the team and, like, maybe it's Sorry, a wave Jeff, is to, listening. like, kind of uh, – kind of shake up and maybe not cover up, but, you know, like make light of that, you know, scandal that they got hit with obviously in the past. Mm-hmm. You know, I think, year. yeah. Well, just in the sense of like, we need to like turn the page. We need up, to, yeah. we need to just like, like the, this is a, this is a new, like this is a new regime kind of thing almost. Yeah, like, exactly. Like we're done with uh, the old team, even though we're going to retain like obviously our top players. But that's the thing that. is, as you but guys sort of mentioned, like, Tave's still there. It's like, know, those right. are if you're making that case, yeah, if you're making that case, you would get rid of guys like Kane and Tabes before you'd get no, rid of I, guys I, like Debrinket and completely Doc, agree. who were probably I just, 15 when all that shit happened. No, I completely yeah, agree. Like trying I to make it curious. easy for Kane and Tabes to want out. I yeah. think that's I think that's what it I is. I love the Jared, point, honestly, though, because you look at you look at those uh, you, like you called them earlier, those legacy players of a franchise, those guys that have delivered you championships and been superstars in this league for so long. You you can't necessarily get rid of them in a lot of people's eyes unless they give you the green light and say, I'm ready to leave. Yeah. You know, how can how can you if Patrick Kane walks into your office and says, you know what, get what you can for me and I'm OK with leaving here. You get to a better place and let me finish out my career somewhere else that I can make another run then you've got the green light to go. But if you just do that without him kind of asking for it, that's where I think it rubs a lot of people the wrong way, players and fans. Yeah, I, I definitely agree. Yeah. That's a good point. It's interesting. Well, it's going to be interesting to see how that transpires because that's a whole nother – in a way, that could be a whole other set of dominoes too, what they do with Kane and Taves. Because, I mean, those are marquee players that play off contending teams. How could you not want either of those guys? I mean, Taves – Maybe there's some question marks just, you know, taking the year off and stuff. But, like, I mean, the guy's captain, been the captain of Stanley Cup winning teams. Some – any playoff team can use that. I don't care how much hockey – Cap's just going to be so tricky to work around. Yeah. That's just going to be the interesting – in, in either trade. I mean, I think, as I mentioned, I think Kane – Kane's that's a the guy bigger that one. Be, they'd be probably okay retaining salary and – a team will take that for two, three years, whatever, whatever he has left on his deal. I saw Friedman floated out the abs and that's man. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Where, just, how are they going to pay him? At that even point, on the like, retain. At that point, why are we even lose Kadri. hockey next year? Well, yeah. <laughs> like, well, yeah. I mean, you're not going to pay Kadri, but like. Yeah, they lost I, Kadri. They lost Kemper, Burakovsky potentially. Yeah, they, uh, they got they tied Natushkin to six mil though, which yeah, I think is and wild. eight years and for eight, eight years. years. I mean, granted, he was a big piece of that. Unless it's a backloaded deal, I didn't see if year. it was. I don't think it is, but he literally they tied him up for eight years, which I mean, hey, good for him. Took advantage of a really good year and get the bag, but like he literally was one of those guys that had upside, but was kind of a non-factor until this season, and then he popped off. It's like, you know, that's. That to me was a massive contract for a guy that hasn't shown sustained levels of success yet. Well, McKinnon's um, up after next year as well, so that's gonna be interesting. Back Very to the Tabe thing. Um, if I was a team GM, I would probably stay away from Jonathan Taves. Um, 
he's way too much money and he has blood clotting issues. Like, unfortunately, like that's just like super unpredictable and you can't like blame a guy for that and you can't force a guy to play on that stuff. Yeah. I totally forgot about that. too. I wonder if that's a guy that they would really tough situation. Like, I think they'll, I think they'll deal Kane keep contract, but I think they'll just like do Taves right. And just kind of let him play out his career and kind of give him an out kind of thing. I could see. Yeah. I could see Taves sort of getting, I don't, again, I got to look at the, the, term, the gets laugh kind of thing their, on their contract. Well, I was going to say the Marion Hosa treatment where they just mm-hmm. toss them on LTIR and just let them right off into the sunset. Yeah. could see that too. I, I mean, know. that would make most sense for a guy with, I don't think, I don't think that'll happen though. Unless I think as you, we were sort of talking about how, you know, if you're going to move one of these players, it has to come on their own terms. I don't think Taves is the type of guy that would voluntarily end his career on LTIR. I think he's a guy yeah. that only, that only happened. If Be one of those guys where he's, he'll mentor the new, the the next up kind of guys. He'll stick around and in a way that gets laugh kind of did a little and bit. I, and I think though, as a fan, that's what makes these situations so tough. When you look at a guy like that, because part of you is like exactly like what Jared was talking about earlier with, new GM coming in, no affiliation with these players or no loyalty to these players. It's you get it right. Their job is to put the best product on the ice and to protect the future of the team. But God damn, it is so hard to not get emotional over these guys after that many years. Like if you're, if you're a Blackhawks fan, who's been a fan for a long time, you know, it's, it's hard to imagine a day where you're looking at a guy like Taves or Kane playing in another uniform or hanging it up. And part of me thinks that a lot of those people, even though in the back of your mind, you know, it's not a good idea. And even though like in my situation, I know that Chris Letang at $6 million a year at 41 years old might not be great. You Sometimes you're just fine riding that horse until the end. And that's where these GMs, I guess it's good when you get new blood in there and they shake things up because as much as it sucks, those are the situations you get into sometimes is these guys at the end of their career, right? Yeah, as the Ryan Millers, uh, Peter Forsberg comes to mind too. Yeah. Obviously, Briere and fucking Drury. Oh, my God, Darcy, you're a piece of shit. Um <laughs> Can we get him on the podcast? No, he is, he wants none of this. <laughs> he wants absolutely none of it. Um, but yeah, um, I mean, what else? I, I feel like there's one other free agency thing I had while we were talking there that I couldn't. I know we touched on the abs, but I thought there was one. I gotta take a look at. Because I mean, I mean, you got you still have like the Bergeron situation. You hear talk of Krejci coming back Krejci in Boston. Coming, yeah, that's interesting um, for sure. What the hell are the Dallas Stars gonna do? I mean, the the Robertsons and everything is great, but I mean, you got the the Sagan and Ben contracts are kind of tough for them. Um, they're just not that interesting of a team until they kind of shake things up, in my opinion. Um. I think just looking yeah. at the the UFA names, it's just some of these names. If you, I mean, obviously now they're they're a bit older, but Malkin, Subban, Giroux, Kessel, Bergeron, like man, go back a couple of years, and those are the league's like premier players. Yeah, it's wild. It's interesting to see. Nicoletti's on the UFA board. I forgot about him. Nino Niederreiter. Now that's an interesting one. 
for the Buffalo Sabres. I don't know if there's, you know, a spot, but that type of player, I I, I love his game. I, yeah, I think the tricky thing with the Sabres right now is that they're almost set when it comes to that third line style yeah. player, especially now bringing back Henestroza. That's why I think it's going to be a bit more quiet for them tomorrow, just because, yeah. as I mentioned, I think they want to give Jack Quinn, they want to give J.J. Paterka a chance to make the roster. Right now, it seems, unless they – they don't sign there's a lot, and trade dude. him um, or trade a guy like Middlestat. Maybe like there's really maybe one spot, you know, to yeah. be had on the Sabres forward group right now. So. Is Middlestat a guy that his time is kind of running out and he's going to get pushed out by some of these younger guys that are like, you know, the new shiny toy, I guess. I think like, he's got to show the fuck up on wing this year. To, I think, I think this, I mean, this is obviously a huge year for him. What sucks is last year was, you know, it Injuries. could have been a, a huge, huge year for him. Like the year, if you go back two seasons when, uh, I believe when Granado first came in, Middlestat, his last 22 games, I think, under Granado, he had like 17, 18 points. I don't remember how many goals he had, but it felt like he was scoring all the time. He was using a shot, which – you know, obviously coming out, he was known more as like a playmaker and he really developed into more of a shooter, which was interesting to see. So last year, I think, you know, really going into training camp, Tage Thompson hadn't broken out yet in case he was sort of the guy that everyone was looking to, to have, you know, that Tage Thompson sort of year, maybe not 40 goals, but um, at least to sort of break out last year. And then, yeah, the injury stuff was, was really unfortunate. I think that, you know, what's tough with him is, as you mentioned, I think he falls into that timeline where, you know, it is sort of getting to, to crunch time where they're going to have to make a decision on him. But at the same time, like, I really do think there is a lot of runway in terms of, you know, what he can develop into. I really liked what I saw from him, honestly, the, the second half of last season. He was struggling a lot when he was coming back from the injuries. And I think once he sort of, you know, gotten a bit of a groove, maybe the last 20, 30 games of the season, I, I really liked um, what I was seeing from him. And, but I think, again, you look at now Titch Thompson down the middle, Dylan Cousins down the middle, Matt Savoy eventually down the middle. A guy like Krebs could always you know, play the center as well. Ostlin and Kulich are two centers. Um, a guy like Middlestad, it's like I think he's in that point of his career where he needs to show what type of player he's going to be in the sense of it, can he still be a top six guy that is primarily a point producer or is he going to have to change his game a little bit and be a, you know, more of a third line player, like a Lars Eller type guy, or, you know, someone just in that mold that can still provide a little bit of offense, but they're primarily being used as more of like your shutdown, um, you know, just secondary scoring type of role. So I think that'll be interesting to see out of him. I think if he is on the team though, this year, he should have, you know, another pretty good opportunity similar to what he would have had coming into the season last year. Obviously now Tage is going to, you know, take that, take that center fold as the number one center. But I still, I still think there's some hope with Middlestat, but I also wouldn't be surprised at all if he was sort of used in like a change of scenery type of trade. Um, you know, we've seen a lot of guys this week actually that are, you know, maybe similar draft status to him, a guy like Sam Steele, he was later in the first round, but he wasn't even qualified as a RFA and he's going to UFA. So, you know, a, a guy like Middlestat, if they do decide to move on, I think maybe that's a trade. Um, I'm trying to think of like a comparable trade, but so I think Chicago, that, they'll probably give you five first rounders. I could see a deal with him being, you know, for another player that 
is similar age, similar stature. Maybe Would you say like status, the Alex Nylander, um, Yoki Haru trade, something like that? Yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. Interesting. That's, that's what I was thinking of. That or like even if you want to go back, like Zach Cassian for Cody Hodgson, something like that. Oh God. <laughs> hey, I mean, go back to that time. Those were two, two highly thought of first rounders. Yeah, thought of. To bring word. back Tyler Myers, you know. Yeah. Get, Get Benny all hyped up. Oh, God. Um, one thing I wanted to do, uh, bring Derek in here for this, uh, to, to, to loop around here. Um, one team in the league can be your favorite team, can be another team. One thing, one player signing trade, one move you want to see for free agency, whether, again, that's a free agency signing or a trade to you know sign and trade, whatever the hell it is, offer sheet. Give me something. One, your top thing you're looking to see uh, for tomorrow. We'll start with Toots because I think we all know his fucking answer. So I, I'm not going to give you Gino to the Pens because we all know that's it. So I'll give you, I'll give you another one here. Um, absolute wild card. It's obviously not going to happen. Just you know, ship him out off into the sunset. Get Patty Kane out of Chicago, send them home, bring them to Buffalo, put some asses in the seats finally at Key Bank while you're waiting for these young guys to come up. And some taxi drivers Um, on watch. (laughs) Uh, No, but uh, I think think that would be something. I I don't think it would obviously ever happen. But, um, yeah, no, the the one player, and I don't have a team – I tied to it that I'm really keyed in on is Nazim Kadri. Um really hope that that dude just finds a good landing spot for him. Good contract. Islanders baby. I mean if he yeah that's Lou wants him back. That's one of the that's one of those things where he's just he's a player that's been such a solid player in the league for so long, carries himself so well and is uh you know, definitely deserving of that next opportunity after the cup. So I, I can't wait to see where he goes and, you know, wh- what he does on another team. Derek, how about you? <sighs> Tough. Tudor took my fucking cane to the, cane to the saves. I, Is that I, actually what you were going to say? I've been preaching that for a while. I, I, I mean, we've got more than enough money. I've, I've, I said it a while ago to my friends. Yeah. I don't think I mentioned it anything I think you, or anything. I think but, you have. I, I, I might have last week or two weeks ago, but yeah, I mean, I, I think I it's been more than once. You've, you've, I would, you very subtly mentioned it. I'd be floated it out there. Yeah. I've, I've got no problems with it. Um, I'd like to see where Kadri honestly ends up. Dude had a really good year. Um, I have a really, really weird feeling that he's going to go to Florida. Like, hmm. really That's weird feeling. I, I know it would be super interesting and they have pieces in with Giroux, but. I don't know. I just ah, man, that's the kind of get player they need. I think like that. that's just like some wild card shit that they would pull. I think honestly, so I don't know. Right. I like it. It's just like something just screams up to me. I don't know why. All right, Jared, you're up. Yeah, for me, I think first and foremost, I want to see. I want to see the big dogs move around. I sorry, Tudor. I want to see Gino go somewhere. I want to see Gaudreau go somewhere. I want to see, you know, Giroux go somewhere. Um, I think what would be really interesting is if Gino does leave, if, you know, we were talking about Gino potentially going to Washington playing for a rival. What if Giroux signed with the Penguins? <laughs> now that would be something. <laughs> Just stir in the pot here. 
How do you feel about that? Is a, is a do you know friend? how many comments that I can't say on here in case my mother listens to this that I would have to take back that I've said about Claude Giroux over the years? I imagine yeah. a lot. Oh my gosh. I, I literally can't repeat them on here uh, with this being recorded. But um, <laughs> yeah, dude, I, oh, no. Tough. I, man, I, that no. playoff series, I'm trying to think what year that would have been. 2012 12. when the Flyers played the Penguins in the first round. Yep. Yeah. Yep. The Jeru shift lays out Sid, goes in and snipes. Like, just classic. Yeah. Thank you for that, uh, <laughs> way to end my, end my day, buddy. Appreciate it. Oh, man. But I'm, I'm predicting he, uh, he goes to your team now. So there you go. All right. There it is. I got if that happens, this is going to be a fucking Sabres wise, though. Sabres wise, just for, just for the vibes, just for the pure fun that it would be i think i think pk suban would be cool obviously they signed malcolm today i feel like suban is sort of a name people have been talking about on sabers twitter for for months now the need is there right d i still think he he can play um i don't think you want him necessarily um being the anchor on your top pair or anything like that but put him next to a guy like owen power i think i think that'd be that's fun. a locker room that's a locker room guy that would help out your young guys a lot Right, and that's like, the thing he, that I don't necessarily he, get. He people teach are power like, how to go into the corners, you know. You'll yeah. some people. Yeah. I love it. I've seen I've seen some people that are like, you know, the Sabers. They have this uh, this great culture now. All the guys, you know, the, the camaraderie is really good. Why would you want to bring in a guy like PK Subban, who's all about himself and all this stuff? And I'm just, I don't know. I don't really. I don't. Think I don't you really can believe say that. that about him. Like, if you look at what, if you look what he's done and the way he's carried himself off the ice through his entire career, I don't think you can necessarily make any sort of a character knock against him. I mean, the guy, the guy got traded out of Montreal and was still traveling up there to visit the children's hospital. Like, well, that's the thing. I don't think I've ever seen anyone like teammates, obviously Montreal sort of kicked him to the curb a little bit, but I don't think I was going to say, imagine getting traded from that fucking organization and willingly just going back to that place. The way that no, no, other than other than really that situation, I don't think he's ever had a bad rap like internally no. from the league. I think all of no. that stuff is just, you know, Jeff. It's really just the slew footing thing. It's, it's that. And people have yeah. this perception and it's like this, I think in any sport. Right. But especially more so in hockey with, you know, Subban was one of the first guys to really add, like, I'd say flair to his outfits, you social know, media, showing up. Too. On, showing up yeah, on he was one of the days, biggest, I was just about stuff. to say social media. And like, he was so like social media forward, so fashion forward kind of early on in his career that I think people thought about that because he wasn't just wearing a Navy suit to the game every every time. It almost had like, you know, I I don't want to compare it to that, but like Cam Newton vibes with the way he dressed. But like that has and nothing if anything to, do to me with, that with a that, player. Yeah, if anything to me, that would only fit in with like the youth and it's, the sort of culture around the team now. I, I don't really, you know, it, believe that notion that he would be a distraction or, or, you know, hurt the culture that they've sort of built or anything over the past no. year. I think that I think he'd be a nice addition. And the Sabres have a good culture, I would think not. I mean, Jared, you're closer to this stuff than us, so you you would also know. But like, I think even if you do build that culture with the young guys, that's great. But they really, they really don't have a ton in terms of um, veteran leadership 
on that team that have kind of seen different things. They got a couple guys like Ocposo, who's, you know, obviously a great locker room guy. You've got Gergensen, who's been around the organization a while, but it definitely wouldn't hurt to add another guy that's been around the league a little bit in the different spots and kind of knows how to handle themselves, you know, for these younger guys and isn't that robot where it's, you know, you're going to say these three things in your interview. Right. I think I just saw um, maybe a couple of days ago now the NHL just on like their Instagram posted a uh, PK Subban like taking selfies with like Jack Hughes and maybe it was Luke Hughes. I, maybe it was another young Devils player, but that's an organization. I feel like the proof is in the pudding right there that he went there. Obviously, they weren't a great team or anything like that, but I don't I think the role that he was sort of serving in New Jersey, especially when they they first traded for him, um, you know, I think that that's that's so much different than what he'd be coming here to do. I think, as you mentioned, I think he'd be a good presence in the locker room. I think that he'd sort of fit in right away. And I think he would come here with the understanding that that is sort of his role. He's not going to be out there on the first power play doing spinoramas with the blue line. Like you're here to <laughs> help the young guys and, you know, be a, a veteran piece on the back end. I'd, I'd love for the PK Subban workout videos to come back. Honestly, though. yeah, those the off, the off ice workout videos. Could you back. could you imagine those like a video of PK working out at the arena and then it just busts into a collaboration with Trey White Goalie Academy? Oh, I could. could I hope like I would want like PK like skating down Main Street like where the rail is. <laughs> like so on, actual, on actual skates though. Like oh. he's struggling. That'd be funny. Like those, do you guys remember the? I'm pretty sure it was. I'm pretty sure it was Robbie and. Oh yeah. Uh, Andy oh yeah. Yeah. It goes out. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. what I want. I want that to come back. I don't want PK's actual videos to come back. I just want the. I knew what you were I saying. Want, I just want the wet jeans, uh, off ice PK Subban videos to come back because those were <laughs> so damn good. That's so fantastic. Good. So good, but also, I, um, Jared, to add on to the PK thing, like you had said with the league and like his rap. Dude's on like the fastest track to becoming an NHL personality. Like after his career is oh, done, yeah. it's unbelievable. Like it he's already on ESPN. Like, yeah, I was gonna say it's like almost his like career is secondhand now at this point, and he's just living for the broadcast stuff. And I don't blame him at all. He's gonna make a lot more money doing broadcast stuff and do have a lot should, less. They should just that. mic him up every game he plays and let him do color from the ice. <laughs> wow. Well, I think that's another. <laughs> that's sort yeah. of the concern. That's where like. Well, some of the people's concern. That's where my concern is. Oh, he's already he's already got his foot into his next career. Is is he really still taking it that serious or whatever? Your speculation. It's an athlete. You're gonna. You can't. You can't tell me that they're not gonna at least give it their all. You know. Yeah, but at the same time, I for me, and then I'll jump into what I said before we get out of here. But like for PK Subban, like I understand both camps, but I just am more in the the side of things. There's just, I think, better options to put with a guy like Power than PK Subban at this point. Because I think you can say what you want. You know, the guy would be fun to have his brothers here. I get it. And like, it's not the end of the world for me. But like, his that is a reality. He's already been on a team that stunk for quite a while with the Devils. He's already been doing the, you know, the teaching thing, like, you know, follow my lead kind of thing. You know, when you were a top, you know, all-star defenseman, I think you can only do so much of that when you've already made your money and you know you're going to make more going to do this. 
It's just for me, it's a question of how much does he want it? Is he going to push the win or is he just going to be there to do the collab anthem thing with his brother, you know, pregame and just, I don't want it to turn into a fucking circus. That's, that's, that's fair. That's really my only concern. You know, um, he's great for the game. I love a lot of what he brings to the table. You know, when he was younger, facets of his game, I think he could teach power a lot. I just think, given how the Sabres looked in, like, March, April, and, you know, May, for the most part, the last third of the season, the, the, the odometer went up a little for me. I wasn't really expecting that, so... I don't know. I think why not try and get Jared brought up McKenzie Weger, a guy. I don't know if he's the guy. John but Marino some, as well, dudes. Hey, now. Easy. <laughs> easy with that shit. Somebody <laughs> like that. But really, though, someone, a player like that who has some really good experience, has some miles on the tires, but can also – they can contribute showing guys how to be pros, these young guys – but also they can grow and learn with them at the same he's a time. Little, he's a little bit older, but I was just thinking, and he's a left-handed defenseman, unfortunately, but um, I'm thinking like Jack Johnson. Like, Yeah. Uh, you lost me there. Yeah, that's yeah. – if I'm you getting a guy from the abs, if I'm going for a guy from the abs, it's, you know, Manson or something oh, like I'm that, not going I think. For, no, I'm not talking about like where he just played. I'm talking like pure like like he's just – No, I know. I'm just saying. Was like you know he's just but he's a left-handed defenseman so yeah I don't need hard. any more lefties I need a righty I understand you know it's guys can play both sure but you need a good right-handed defenseman um, I think the idea of a you know someone like that is is very intriguing to me and but again I could understand the the PK Subban realm but like a Josh Manson for me makes a little bit more sense, even bringing Colin Miller back maybe, but ideally like someone like Mackenzie Weger would be very cool for me. Um, But you know, some, so between the goaltending and just getting another body in here of someone to contend for some starts, you know, because it's hard to know what's going to happen with Lukanen. I would say, you know, a right-handed defenseman there, um, you know, a goaltender, maybe that's Samsonov. I don't know. Um, that's kind of the logic talking for me. Um, you know, as far as like what I would love to see, I mean, bring me back to the glory days. Give me Tyler Ennis back here. Give me one of those guys. Um, I would just, I'd love to see that. It's never going to happen. There's not really a roster spot for him, but we're getting a little silly here at the end. Give me, give me the, one of the goats back to Tyler Ennis. Just a, again, to a huge favorite of the wet jeans boys. So he was my you favorite player growing up. Yeah. I you know, you're going to get three for Tyler Ennis. That's beautiful. I mean, you know, you're going to get some, some good stuff out of there, but um, in seriousness though, what I want to say as far as like a forward though, last point I'll make, I think we need some attitude. I need a pain in the ass to play against a Mason Marchman. Uh, Brendan Lemieux is a, is a UFA. Like I know we kind of dropped the ball on that guy and shipped him out of town, but like, Somebody like that who the top lines on good teams don't like playing against. You know, I think that's something that my perspective, I guess you could say, has sort of changed on a little bit over the past few years because I used to be, you know, just all skill, 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 speed, speed, speed. And obviously that's still a huge part of it. But right. I don't know. I, I really do. 
I think what's so interesting is that we see this every year, but just obviously the recency bias with it. Like the playoffs really is almost its own sport. And I think obviously that comes into play. The physicality um, aspect of the game comes into play so much more, obviously in the playoffs. So it's interesting, even a guy like Jack Johnson, that's a guy that like in the regular season, I feel like I'd be watching like 70 games of Jack Johnson. I'd be like, get this dude off my team. And yeah. In the playoffs, it's just, those guys just serve a different purpose. Again, I'm not a fan of Jack Johnson, so don't get me wrong here, but yeah, I think still just, you know, that type of player like that, though. Yeah, veteran or even just the more physical players. I think it just serves so much more of a purpose um, in the playoffs. And it's interesting, you know, just in a team building sense of like, how do you build your team? Because we see teams like the Leafs that are, you know, I think they've started to turn a page a little bit more and go a little more physical as well the past couple of years. But they saw it firsthand, you know, that skill and speed is not going to cut it in the playoffs. So I think it's interesting to be such a good, even Tampa Bay a couple of years ago, it could be yeah, such a, a, a powerhouse in the regular season and also having that balance where you can, you know, sort of change the way you play in the playoffs. The one thing I think that's so great about the Sabres and the team that they're sort of building right now. And, you know, there's been this kind of notion um, that the Sabres just have such a small team. And I've heard some other, you know, reporters and stuff sort of say that. And I don't know. I just don't necessarily agree when you look at like the core of the team. And I do agree that the team has been relatively small the past, you know, 10 years, really since they've been out of, out of the playoffs. But I think now when you look at the core, I don't think it's fair to, no. um, to, to keep, don't they have like using three guys that. that are six, four and bigger. Well, that's Bell. the thing. Yeah. Tuck cousins Thompson, I believe are all at least six, three and bigger mm-hmm. on defense, Samuelson, Darlene power. Like your core guys are all, you know, very big in, they're not necessarily the most physical players, but I think those are still guys that in the playoffs, you're not necessarily going to have to worry about them flipping that switch. Hopefully, especially a guy like Tuck. I think you have some oh, players yeah. in, in Samuelson that, too. That guy's a bastard. Yeah, like they're I not going to get pushed around. So I think even Darlene too can turn that on. I was going to say, yeah. I'd, I'd love to watch him and Austin Matthews go at it for seven <laughs> games. Yeah. yeah, that'd be fun. Absolutely. Yeah, the the Sabres will win. Still, still standing by. Derek's sticking to that. That's my prediction. That's my prediction for when we do our uh, our free agency podcast next year. The Sabres will play the Leafs in the first round this year. All right. Okay. All right. Derek's there too. He took it a step further though. Pretty much Mm -hmm. that we will win a series before the Leafs. Could you could you imagine Sabres Leafs goes to Game Seven in Toronto? Sabres win in overtime. Man. Like what? What happens? No, I can't happen? because what I will happens? be. What happens? I will be. I will be. Do I, do I have to start driving around the streets of Buffalo at that point? I'd be driving all of up, you guys up. No, I'd be. Yes. Just, I'd be up in Toronto just laughing at all the Leafs fans. Honestly, that'd be a I, great game to be at, like their uh, their like party in the plaza thing oh, yeah. for. Oh my! We would God. be we would be brawling by the end of the the, the game, but yeah, yeah stay. I'm not making great. it. I'm gonna be in a detention center yeah. somewhere in fucking <laughs> international. Yeah, I'm not gonna not gonna That's do not that. Good. That's not gonna be good. I'm gonna be playing I'm chess. I'm gonna be playing center. chess in the corner with a local drunk, just burning burning time. Um, but no, that would be that'd be something else. That'd be something to behold. But uh, yeah, I, I think you know getting that's as much as you want. I think the culture thing has a couple different assets or facets to it. Like what we're seeing now 
And then you have to as skilled, you can be as skilled as you want. Just look at the, the abs. Everyone talked about how fast they were. They score. It's no fucking coincidence. They have a guy like Nazim Kadri on that team and some of those other guys, some of their defensemen that can, you know, throw the body around and, I, you know, just guys, look at the way McKinnon plays and Landis Cog. Like, they can be mean fuckers when they decide yeah. it's time, and you need that. And it doesn't okay, always I have don't. to be the top, top guys, but you need a line that you can send out there that when guys see them hop over the boards, they're like, ah, shit. Yeah, you're, a guy you're, that you're doing double takes when you go get too. it. We have not mentioned Evander Kane, and I think he's going to be – it's going to be this interesting. Is interesting. How much money he gets because I think he's going to get a lot. And really just where he goes. Because, again, it's just – I think the recency bias of seeing guys like Kane and Kadri and just how impactful they can be in the playoffs is – it's crazy. I think that's going to be, like, the new sort of trendy player in the NHL is that we saw, like, Cutter Gauthier, who went fifth overall to the Flyers this year. I think teams are just sort of envisioning that sort of power forward, you know, very skilled sort of hybrid player. Um, mm-hmm. They can obviously do all the things we've been seeing Kadri and Kane do, but also – uh, contribute offensively. It'll be funny to see what Kane gets because then the IRS is going to garnish all of his paychecks. It'll be pretty cool. <laughs> no comment on that. Oh my god! All right, we'll button it up on that one. Leave it to Big D to drop that bomb on everyone. Love to see it. Um, Sorry, Jared, I hate that guy. <laughs> uh, Jared, it's such Thank a blast you, as always, man. Thank you so much for doing this, even with the busted uh, webcam. Maybe we'll catch up later in the summer when you got the shiny new toy there. Yeah, appreciate it, guys. Always a blast. I'll, uh, I can't wait to come back on when you guys can see my beautiful face. So yes. that'll be fun. I look forward oh, to it. Man. You and me both, we're, pal. We're you and me both. I'm looking right. forward to the group chat tomorrow. Should be should be some good shenanigans. Oh, it's going to be <laughs> buzzing for sure. I'm I'm very intrigued to see how that's going to gonna come to fruition. But uh yeah, so by the time this is out, we'll have some uh, some interesting shit to talk about, too, either way. Uh, thanks, everybody, for listening. Uh, pleasure, as always. Um, we'll be back next week with another brand-new episode. Jared, thank you again. Make sure you guys follow the Charging Buffalo. Uh, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, you know where to go. Um, yeah, thanks for listening, everybody. We'll be back next week. See you. Peace.